0: that are here and of course those that are joining us uh, via online if you would please if you would turn to the book of Mark and we're gonna start in the 15th chapter the 25th verse the 15th chapter and the 25th verse one of the things that we endeavor to do uh, over the next four or five weeks, and I would uh, challenge all of you to find a way to be as consistent as you can, because I believe at the end of this, you will see that there are so many things that people will say, WWJD, in other words, what would uh, Jesus do? And in a lot of ways, we already have answers as to what he would do, because we have clearly what he did do. And I think because it's become rhetoric, it's become Christianese, it's become uh, more so just a statement uh, to imply, did you think about Christ before you did whatever it is that you're going to do or did do? The realities are there are many things that people don't understand of what he actually did do. And so I think as we begin to learn over the next uh, five weeks or so, let's learn together. And we'll learn some of the things that... Uh, we need to understand how to apply practically to our own lives as we make our own decisions, as we make, uh, understand the things that God would love us to know. It's important uh, to know the Word. It really is. It's important to know the Word because many people make assessments of God without knowing what His Word says. And it's important that if we're going to hold Him to His Word or we're going to keep Him at His Word, we obviously need to know what those things are. So Mark chapter 15, verse 25, it says, And it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And, it wa- and the superscription of his accusation was written over the king of the Jews. And with him they crucified two thieves, and one on his right and the other on his left. And the scripture is fulfilled, which saith, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And they that passed by railed on him, "'Wagging their heads and saying, "'Ah, thou that destroyed the temple "'and buildest it in three days, "'save thyself and come down from the cross.' "'Likewise also the chief priests, mocking, "'said amongst themselves with the scribes, "'He saved others, himself he cannot save. "'Let Christ, the King of Israel, "'descend now from the cross, "'that we may see and believe. "'And they that were crucified with him reviled him. "'And when the sixth hour was come,' There was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of them that stood by, when they heard it, said, Behold, he calleth Elias. And one ran and filled a sponge full of vinegar and put it on a reed. And gave him to drink, saying, Let alone, let us see whether Elias come down to take him down. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. And the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And when the centurion, which stood over against him, saw that he cried out and gave up the ghost, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. Look at somebody next to you and tell them the flesh, <laughs> the flesh don't die easy. Look at somebody else and tell them the flesh don't die easy. <laughs> the flesh don't die easy. <clears throat> it is uh one of those things that when you begin to uh study scripture, you begin to understand that there are certain things that uh become systematic theology, in other words, there are things that have a, a line of understanding. In other words, pneumatology is the study of the Spirit, the study of the Holy Ghost. And when you begin to collectively understand the theology be- behind the Holy Ghost, then you study pneumatology. That's systematic. It's, it's line upon line. It's understanding the totality of what is being revealed in regards to the Holy Ghost. Soteriology is the study of salvation. It is the nature of helping you to understand systematically what does your salvation mean? Why was your salvation necessary? Uh, what belongs to you? And so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John gives a chronological understanding of what has occurred. It, it tells you the life of Christ. It tells you uh, all the things that occurred. And, and from a historical or chronological perspective... And then you get into the epistles, which are explaining to you why. And when you begin to understand what was done, and then you can connect that with why, then Easter is no longer about bunny rabbits and Easter eggs. Although, let me make myself abundantly clear. I don't care what the method or the debate the is. In other words, when I go fishing, I don't eat the worms. Worms are gross to me. But if it takes whatever it takes to become fishers of men, to literally affect a world, whatever it may be, you know, people struggle with Christmas trees because Christmas trees are not obviously related to the birth of Christ and and they can tie that to certain pagan things. (laughs) Listen, if you get that far in, you've gotten too far in because the reality is that if it gives me an opportunity to have a discussion about christ then it, then again the bait doesn't matter are, are you understand what i'm saying and so as we begin to look at soteriology and understand salvation uh, we begin to realize that without easter christmas was pointless without the resurrection his birth was pointless are, are you with me and so let's let's go back and let's run through it one more time mark 15:25 and they that passed by railed on him rag- wagging their heads and saying ah thou that destroyest the temple and buildest in 3 days save thyself and come down from the cross likewise also the chief priests mocking him said amongst themselves and the scribes With the scribes, he saved others, himself he cannot save. Let Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him reviled him. The first thing they started to do was say, If you're supposed to be so great, save yourself. It is the natural proclivity of people. It is the natural thinking of a person to save themselves first. In any situation, the, the narcissism, the, the uh, inflated ego would be mindful of, if you're so great, save yourself. Show us in how you saved you that now I can begin to see and believe. People believe, for whatever reason, that the greatest demonstration of God is for me to be saved from destruction. For me to have a perfect life. And and one of the the challenges as a Christian, as a believer, that we often face, and I'll speak about myself because sometimes y'all act funny and don't want to act like y'all go through the same things that I go through. So I will pick on me. Well, one of the things that is often a struggle is when you go through something that you feel your faith should have handled. And you want to go through it privately because how other people view you is now affected and they begin to wonder what is going on and why don't you have enough faith. When the reality is that for the most part, the real ones don't think that way. It's the religious ones that said, I want to see. I want to see and believe. I want to see that you never mind the fact. See, because what you've got to see. Again, I'm talking about me, right? It's just me. The man came and gave him some vinegar. And he said, What is that? Verse 20. Verse 36. And one ran and filled a sponge full of vinegar, put it on a reed, and gave him to drink. That's pretty noble, right? He sees he's up there struggling. He's on the cross. He's already cried out with a loud voice. He's already in pain. He's already been beat within an inch of his life. He is now hanging on the cross. He is obviously uh, beginning to... Because the whole point of hanging on the cross is to apply pressure to the chest until you can no longer breathe anymore. So he, not only is he in pain before he got on the cross, but now he's on the cross, and they have purposely put him in a position to give him more pain to increase the, the, the effects of his death. And here comes this person who says, let me give you this so you can continue to, to, to live. That sounds noble. But he says the only reason why he went there Gave him the drink saying, leave him alone. Because I want to see if he makes it. See, (laughs) it's always those folks close to you. That'll tend to your crisis. Not because they want to see you come out. But because they want to spectate what happens. I just want to know what is going to go down. So I'm going to stay close to you. And act like I care. When in all reality, I'm just close. I wish somebody would help me. I'll stay close to you just because I want to see. I'm nosy. And here with all these people, they are now gathered around him. Those that have followed, those that didn't, those that know, those that don't. People who could care less, people who were charged with his death. They are all now watching him. And as we struggle in life with different things, we think. I I was having a conversation with some pastors a, a while ago. And they said this to me. They said, we were dealing with a person and we were going through a situation. And they were going through the same situation. And because they didn't see us come out of it, they assumed that if God wouldn't do it for me, and I'm the pastor, I got to have special ranking. So if God won't do it for them, If God wouldn't take Jesus off the cross then he surely if God would turn his blind eye to his only begotten son then surely there cannot be any hope for me. (laughs) Tell somebody the flesh don't die easy. And so (laughs) It becomes important for us to see, verse 37, And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. Do you have any idea his mother's watching this? His family's watching this. His followers and disciples are watching this. And the word cried doesn't mean he uh, boohooed. Cried means he screamed with all of the ebullience that he could muster. And then gave up the ghost. (laughs) In other words, when Jesus said, they didn't take my life because no man can take it from me. He said, but I can lay down my life. And what people don't understand is that when you watch people go through things, It is critical for you to recognize and to realize that it ain't the outcome that really matters. It's the journey along the way. My faith is not displayed when the miracle shows up. My faith is displayed when I don't see it and I don't have it and it hasn't come yet but I'm still going. I'm still fighting. I'm still believing. I'm still confessing. I am still at it. That's when my faith is greater seen. Manifestations show up. That is wonderful. We all love them but the reality he is. They were waiting for the end instead of watching what was going on. Because so many people in their lives, you are not enamored with the journey. You are enamored with the destination. And until you begin to learn that God doesn't care so much about the destination, He cares about who you are on the way. Because He can take you to the palace. No question. But do you turn into somebody else on your way? <laughs> do you forget on your way? Do you say things like, well, let's just see what happens on your way. I tell you the flesh don't die easy. We know that the Bible tells John 3.16, for God so loved that he gave whosoever should should have see we know john 3:16 should not perish have everlasting life we get it right but do we get it <laughs> i mean we get it right but do we get it because the reality is for him to give not one of his sons It'd be different if you said, listen, I'm going to take one of them. You got five. Now, nobody wants to have to pick from their kids. (laughs) But the reality is that if one got to go, you got to (laughs) go. But to say my only, it's all I have. This is it. And, and, and what I want you to begin to understand is, let's flip this for a second. What if I knew the plan and I only had one kid to fulfill the plan? See, if I had five of them, I can believe that one of them, <laughs> my odds are better to find the obedience out of one in five then it is one and one. See, this is soteriology. This is understanding the purposeful intent of your salvation and how God understood what it would be that you would need to come to an understanding of who he is. All these people around him are trying to feed him vinegar to keep him alive. They want to see what's going to happen. They're telling the religious folks, come on down off of that cross. We know you're, you're struggling. If you're going to be God, show us. And one man, the centurion, the one who's responsible for killing him, who is not a Jew, he's not a believer, and he's not a disciple, he's not a follower. Somebody's going to catch this in just a minute. He is the one who says, when he watches him die, surely, surely, this man, Because the problem with religious folks is they become so close to things, they can't see it for what it is. And God didn't come just to deal with your religiousness. God came to redeem the world. And why would a man of the world see Jesus on the cross and say, that had to be the Son of God? (laughs) While everybody who should have known that he was the Son of God. Everybody that watched miracles, watched them lay hands on folks, watched the deaf hear, the blind see, the lame walk, all those people that were close. Which tells you proximity doesn't mean salvation. (laughs) Sitting in church don't make you a Christian. Good Christians go to church. How many, how, many <laughs> how many of you got kids? How many you like your kids when they're good? <laughs> Better than you like them when they're not. <laughs> so if you're going to be a good kid, you go to church. There's no question. But my point is, being in proximity does not equal salvation. Did I ever tell you the flesh don't die easy? <laughs> so then, <clears throat> behaviorally speaking, if Christ is on the cross and he's saying, why hast thou forsaken me? You know, <laughs> I always say it's good to ask God questions. It's not good to question God. Right? Because it's, it's, it's wordplay, but it's still a fact. We don't question God, but it's okay to ask God. And for Jesus to have been in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, and he said, Lord, if this could pass from me, he said, let this cup pass. Meaning he already knew what was coming. And so for them to be literally sweating blood to the point of trepidation and anticipation all at the same time, time. Because the reality is most people have trepidation. They're in fear. They're in worry about what is coming, but they have no anticipation or expectation of something good is going to come out of this. Let me let me work that for just a minute. So we go through things where we're afraid of what the outcome will be, but we don't temper that with an anticipation or an expectation that my God will show up. We go through things and struggle with sickness in our body, struggles in financial health, all kinds of things that we may deal with, and we are so consumed with the fear and the worry that we don't temper that against an earnest expectation, an earnest hope that God will show up, that God will move, that God will get it done on my behalf. And the reality is that we live in a place where we always vacillate back and forth because one day we feel strong about it, the next day we don't. One day we feel good, the next day we don't. And we live in this moment of back and forth and to then realize that Jesus called his own death his passion. (laughs) Which helps you to understand that passion is not something that is felt. We just lost the passion. No, passion is a commitment. When I make a commitment to you, I'm passionate about the commitment I made because I made it not out of my feelings. I didn't make it out of my loins. (laughs) I made it out of my desire. And when God had a desire for you, he said, I have to bring my son. And I have to bring him so that he would die in replacement of you. Look look at look at uh 1st Peter 1. 1st 1 Peter 1:18. 1, See <clears throat> we tend to judge the outcome of our situations in light of ourselves. We all do it. We all do it. We we are faced with a financial challenge. We look at the bank account. <laughs> You, you, you experience a physical health challenge. You start looking at your history. What did I do? What did I struggle with? What did I do to my own body? What did my parents have? And, you know, the doctors, the first thing they know I ask you is, can you tell me about your... And there's an there's a, a, a analysis of our own selves that then plays into whether we believe God. Well, you know, if I was diagnosed with lung cancer and I smoked for 40 years, well, I guess I got what was coming. Hold hold, hold on. When did the miracle, when did the promise... When did my salvation, when did your soteriology, when did who you are become based on what you have done? For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, however, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Go back. Verse 18, for as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things. You didn't make it because you had silver and gold. You didn't make it, not vain conversation doesn't mean talking, it means your lifestyle. You didn't get saved because of your lifestyle. You didn't get saved because of the traditions of your parents. They can't get you saved, they can't get you cursed. It's not about the bloodline from what your mother and father might have had. So now you have to have it. It doesn't matter what they struggled with to then say you have to struggle with it. It doesn't matter what you went through to think you earned something. He said it's got nothing to do with the vain conversation of your life. Vain means your life is no—it's all vanity in relation to your salvation. There was nothing you could have done to earn it. He said, but, with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb, without blemish, without spot, keep going, who verily was foreordained before the foundations of the world, but was manifest in these last times, why? For who? For who? For who? You mean you? How about me? You mean us? Keep going. Who by him do believe in God that raised him up from... Gave him glory that your faith and hope He said, who by him we do believe in God not because he hung on the cross and didn't take himself off. Because that would have been a miracle all unto itself. That would have been magnanimous all unto itself. That would have been shocking all by itself. He said, but I let him die for you. We buried him. We put him on lockdown. We rolled the stone over it. We set some guards in front of it. We shut the whole country down. (laughs) Proof positive. Lockdowns don't work. Because when they came back to find out he wasn't there. When they came back and said, where is Jesus? Jesus said, I don't care what you tried to do. I was raised from the dead. And I've been given position now your faith and your hope might be in God. See, (laughs) God, I might be struggling with something. You might see me get through it real quick. Glory to God, Pastor. (laughs) Won't he do it? But if you have to watch me, believe. If you have to watch me, lay hands on other people and watch them get healed while I struggle myself. If you got to watch me go through things over a period of time and then see that I won't back up, all of a sudden, you'll begin to realize that had to be God because only God could keep you going that long. Only God could sustain you that long. He said, and in that moment, your faith and hope wouldn't be in me. <laughs> Some of you don't understand. You just don't understand. The flesh don't die easy. The flesh don't die easy. So, so watch this. First Corinthians 6. First Corinthians 6, 9. I need y'all to leave me alone. Y'all keep making me preach. Y'all need to quit it. First Corinthians 6, 9. Can you put it in the ESV, please? I'm not sure you're ready for this one. You sure? All right. Just remind yourself, you asked for it. Or do you know, not know that the righteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. He lays all that out. and says, you know, these type of people, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Right? We all know that. Yes? Okay, here's what I love. Because this is where the smack comes. You would think that was the smack. It wasn't. This is the smack. As such, some of y'all were. That's why he said, as some of y'all used to be. In other words, he says, some of y'all used to struggle with homosexuality. He said, but the power of God brought you out. He says, some of y'all used to struggle with adultery, but the power of God brought you out. Some of you used to struggle with meth, and the power of God brought you out. Some of you used to be a crackhead, but the power of God brought you out. He says, some of you used to be a fornicator. He said, but the power of God brought you out. We want to spend all this time looking down at people who struggle in certain areas, never realizing they're still on the cross. They're about to come off. And when they come down, God is about to do something in their life and turn it all around. They used to be addicted to alcohol and God brought them out. He said, as some of you were washed and were sanctified and were justified in the name of And by, you didn't come out because of you, and you ain't going to come out because of you. It's amazing to me how many people say, hey, you coming to church? Man, I got to get my life together. You can't get your life together. If it was in you, it would have been in you. But the reality is, I don't get my life together and go to church. I go to church to get my life together. And God will show up every single time. You want to know why? Because something happens. Healing happens. Prosperity happens when you call Him. See... See, see, some, some of you got to the point where you forgot. You have forgot what you used to be. You forgot where you used to struggle. You forgot where God brought you out of. You want to know why? Because the flesh don't die easy. Look, look at verse 12. He said, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated. It's bad. It's bad doctrine to think you can get your life together and then come to church. (laughs) It's bad doctrine. It fights against your soteriology. It fights against your salvation. It it wars. Because that means you think you can do something. (sighs) That means you're going to take Christ off the cross because you don't realize what he did do you've allowed religious folks to say "Mm, mm, mm. look at how she's struggling look how she dress when the truth of the matter is you mad you can't wear what she can wear Because if you did, it looked look like a bag of fish just jumping around. So, So you've allowed your jealousy to push you into judgment, never realizing that people are righteous as they are righteous. Leave them in church and leave them alone. Let them do what they're doing until they get the revelation when God works on them to bring them out. Because you can't bring them out. Only God can bring them out. Only God can break an addiction. Only God can change the circumstance. Only God can get you delivered. Only God can get you saved. And when you begin to realize what this means, then I really do start to understand that the flesh don't die easy. <laughs> Does it? Yeah. Hebrews 4.14. Hebrews 4.14. In <laughs> the King James. Please. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens. In case you didn't know who it was. Jesus. The Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. In other words, let us keep our mouth Amen. in the right place. No switches. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. <clears throat> Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we might obtain and find grace to in a time of Go back. Go back. Go back. Uh, one more. I'm sorry. Fifteen. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched, With the feeling of our infirmities. I'm going to give you a quick. Bible college lesson. Many of you. Who are students at Bible college. You already know this. But there's some probably that don't. The challenge. With Christ. Is the. Conceptual understanding. And the fact. That he is not. A hundred percent man. He's a hundred percent God. God. And a 100% man. That's why if you've ever wondered why they bleep out Jesus on the television. They won't bleep out Muhammad. They won't bleep out Buddha. Because neither of them have ever put forth the assertion that they are in fact God. They have put forth the assertion they're good men who were anointed and appointed by God. But none of them have been able to put forth... The, the, the assertion that they are, in fact, God. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so the hypostatic union is not 50-50. That's right. He wasn't half God That's right. and half man. That's right. He was 100% man and 100% Amen. God. Amen. So when the Bible says that he, is, he was not a high priest that could not be touched, and he's telling you that he could be touched and that he was touched, with the feeling of our infirmities. Now, can you imagine being deity only and having to take on humanity? Some of you got a demotion at your job and you quitting. <laughs> 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 Talking about demoting me. I've been in, I've been, I've been in this company for 35 years. They're going to talk to me crazy. And now I got to work for him. And he, he just got here. And are you realizing that he moved from deity to humanity? And not deity with all the specialness deposited into humanity. But he is in fact human, struggling and touched with the feeling of infirmities in the same way that you are, given the same flesh that you now having to navigate a new world in a flesh yeah. that is not deity. <laughs> Hebrews 5.8 Though he were a son yet learned he what? <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> Hang on. Jesus. Jesus. Though he were a son, he still had to learn obedience. (laughs) Though he were a son, he still had to be taught obedience. See, I think some of you think when you think of Jesus, you think of God only. You don't have to teach me obedience if I'm God only. I know how to follow. I know how to do what only God can do. But when you place the parameters and the constraints on me, Mm -hmm. that I now have to be a person and accomplish these things as a man. Now, all of a sudden, there are things I've got to learn. Just like you do. (laughs) I'll tell you, the flesh don't die easy. So then, think about this for a second. The Bible says that um, when the Passover came, he instructed them to mark, to find a lamp that was without spot. And he said, let it sit outside for 14 days, which was exactly how long they had Jesus before they crucified him, by the way. And he said, I want you to mark the blood on the doorpost. He said, then I want you to sit down with your family, he said, and cook that lamb. The whole thing. Don't break no bones of it, like Jesus. (laughs) He said, but I want you to eat the whole thing. It is amazing to me how many people denominationally struggle with certain things. In other words, some people struggle with prosperity, right? They have it in their head that they're supposed to be poor and that God values poverty, which everything I've read says he redeemed us from poverty, so I don't know how they got there. And I've yet to find anyone who can prove to me scripturally that that's what's supposed to happen, New Testament or Old. So then you have people who struggle because, you know, what would Jesus do? You're going to catch this in a minute. And so people say things like, well, does he still heal? I agree. Thank you for responding so quickly because he does. And you will never convince me otherwise. Have I had moments that I had to struggle with health issues? Yeah, of course that don't change he's still a healer my situation don't change him (laughs) see because what people want you to do (coughs) is they want you to get yourself off the cross (laughs) they they don't know that the flesh dies hard (laughs) so he learned obedience what I've just done with y'all is I've just disclosed a clue to the resolution. But I haven't given it to you yet. We're going to get there. So by the obedience by the things which he suffered is how he learned to obey. <laughs> he said, eat it all. Don't eat the peace that has prosperity and forget all about the peace that you're saved. Don't eat the piece that you're saved and forget all about the piece of the lamb that brings healing. (laughs) He said, eat the whole thing. All of it. He said, and that was left over, burn it up. Because when you burn it up, the smoke (laughs) returns back from whence it came. How many of you have ever uh, <clears throat> given second thought to a T-bone steak when you eat it? How many of you ever really just given a thought to that? Like, ooh, this is a T-bone steak. I wonder the life it led. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen to me. I was watching this show. And, and I'm not going to tell you what show it is. You probably can figure it out if you think about it long enough and do some research. But they're not paying me, so I ain't saying the name. So, <clears throat> but it was this documentary, my wife and I, four years ago, five years ago, was Ari around then? <laughs> About four and a half years ago, we are watching this documentary. And they're showing how animals are dealt with. And they're showing them in the pens, and they're showing how they deal with pork, and, and, and it had this 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 boil on it. And they just cut it off. Yeah. And then they butcher it, and wrap it in plastic, and sell it to you. <laughs> After I watched that, that was the last time we had red meat Because I became exposed. We had talked about it anyway, right? But I'm like, pork and beef and the things they're doing to it. Now listen, if I lived on a farm where I raised my own, I don't think I'd have an issue with it, but I have a problem when you look at, listen, how many of y'all remember, how many of y'all are young enough, yet old enough to remember high school, right? Okay. And how many of you remember having to reach up to put books in your locker? Tell me why these kids nowadays is reaching down. To put stuff in their lockers. Tell me why you can see 10-year-olds that look like they 45. You're not going to tell me. Have you ever been to an old historic home? Where the doorways are like. The closets. Whose clothes fit in that? One of my suits. And that's it. closet's full. I'm convinced (laughs) that there are things that we are consuming that are leading us down the road of building the pharmaceutical enterprise that we, I'm not going to on that soap opera. I just want you to understand that's where I am, okay? So what I want you to understand is when he said eat the whole thing, nobody thought about the slaughtering of that lamb. See, when you hear stories on TV, you say, "Ooh, they died such a horrible death," or you're around somebody you like, and you hear about somebody they know, or maybe somebody you know. It's like, "Oh my goodness, that was such a horrible way to die." And and you know, there's a old saying: "If you die with your eyes open, you earned it." You ever heard that before? It's like, if you die with your eyes open, you earned it. So you know, it, it, it's it's bizarre how we see the humanity and the frailty of death and never realize that he as a man did not experience all that he went through as a God. To be beat within an inch of your life, to be pierced in the side and, and blood and then water begins to come out, to understand what would have to happen to your body In order for water to come out the pierced side. The trauma that you would have had to occur. To be sitting on this cross. Having to lift up to breathe. But now using energy as you've got spikes. Pushing with your legs to get yourself some air. And once you. To drop again and to be constrained. and To be choked by your own. To be waterboarded by your own self. And people don't even think about how horrible to the point where he cried out, God, why have you forsaken me? I have never felt anything like this before. I have been with you. Me and you, we started in this thing together. We grew up together. I'm your ride or die. And now here I am on this cross as a man experiencing And you will find more people that will run to PETA, people for the ethical treatment of animals, and have never thought anything about the ethical treatment of Jesus. They care more about the wood-spotted, peckered owl than they do about the one who gave his life for you. And he didn't just give his life by drinking some. I mean, that'd be one thing, right? Some hemlock. Smile. (laughs) But what you're telling me is I got to be beat with an inch of my life. I got to carry a wood beam that's probably 150 pounds up a hill. You're going to make me carry my own weapon. That's like sending me out to the tree and telling me, pick your own switch. If he just said, grab the beam that you going to be crucified on, I'd be like. <laughs> How about this one? Do you have any idea what he went through? And the Bible says he learned obedience. <laughs> we don't have a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of the firmness. He was touched with the feeling of the firm. He felt, he experienced, he endured, he laid it down, and he called it his passion, called it his desire. He said, God, if this cup could pass. Please do. But if not, nevertheless, not but. You get a hangnail and act like the world has come. You more concerned about stuff? (laughs) And here he is screaming out of the pain. Out of the hurt, out of that was inflicted, not as God, because like I said, I think people think, well, he's God. He's a hundred percent man. See, and we <laughs> look at look at Psalms one nineteen. I, I, I gotta I gotta move on to close here. Psalms one nineteen sixty six, in the King James. He says, teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed thy commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. Thou art good and doest good. Teach me thy statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me. The haters have forged a lie against me. But I will keep thy precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in thy law. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver, thy hands have made me and fashioned me. They give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. That the fear of thee will be glad when they they the fear thee will be glad when they see me, because I have hoped in thy word. I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right, and that thou, in faithfulness, has afflicted me. Look at uh, verse seventy-one in the message. One nineteen seventy one in the message. Keep going. There it is. My troubles turned out all for the best. They forced me. (laughs) <laughs> he said, my troubles turned out for the best because they forced me to learn from your textbook. They forced me. See, he learned obedience by the things he suffered. See, he understood that flesh had to endure what divinity wanted to, to accomplish. Your flesh has to endure what God wants to accomplish in your life. If he's taking you anywhere, which he is, I assure you, there are things you've got to endure, but the flesh don't die easy. The flesh wants what it wants. The flesh will struggle. See, but what you've got to know is that it's hold, you're, you're literally holding on too tight. That's why you're struggling with it. Because if you've ever been afflicted with something, That you've tried to resolve yourself. You've tried to deal with yourself. You've tried to quit yourself. You have tried. But there are things (laughs) that you learn by going through and realizing I'm not getting out from under the pressure. See, because I've been saved from destruction and death and poverty and disease no question about it but that doesn't mean there are seasons in time that i'm going to have to go through some stuff and and while you watch me go through it Will I glorify God when I'm going through it? Or will I back up and start saying, I ain't sure what he's about to do. I'm not sure that he still loves me. I'm not sure that he's going to deliver me. See, that's what drives you to the word. That's what drives you to the book. He said, it was good for me to be afflicted, that I might follow your textbook, that I might get back in line. This is why he told the man, he said, listen, the man who was sleeping with his father's wife, he said, listen, put him out. Turn him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, for the saving of his soul. Some of you holding on to stuff so tight, it's good for you to be afflicted. <laughs> Some of you going through, it's, it's good. You're sitting here going, no, it's not. And I'm telling you, yes, it is. Because what it's teaching you is how to be obedient when things get rough. It's teaching you how to be obedient when things are not looking like they should. How can God trust you when all hell is breaking loose and you're going to give up easy? You're going to quit just because it doesn't look right. There are things that God is building in you that will take you to the other side, but sometimes it's good to be afflicted, so I can learn obedience and trust the textbook, so I can be obedient and trust the book. Some of you had to go through your episodes with meth. Some of you had to go through your episodes with the wrong woman, the wrong man. Some of you had to go through some of your addictions. Some of you had to go through. It was good for you to be afflicted because you can't find God. You can't find God. God can only reveal himself. And the only way he can do that is to take you out of your mess, to get you out of your situation when all hell has broken loose and you got one answer. One answer. You done tried all you could do. I wish I had somebody that understood. You done did all you knew how to do. You done took every pill. You done talked to every doctor. You done went. All of them are saying, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what it is. It's, it's, a, it's a mystery. It ain't no mystery. Because whatever is a mystery, I'm about to turn into mastery. And, and, and as I begin to realize that some of these things I've had to struggle with, I've had to go through them. And I didn't want to go through them. I hated it. It was uncomfortable. But when I think about the goodness of Jesus, when I think about, oh my God, listen, there are things you're gonna have to fight. There are demons, they look real big, they seem real strong, and sometimes you gotta go through it. Sometimes you gotta square off your shoulders and say, you know what? It's going to be what it's going to be. But at the end of all of this, it is good for me to be afflicted because it causes me to trust the book. It causes me to trust in my God. Why? Because the flesh don't die easy, but I'm going to kill it. Look at three people tell them, I'm going to kill it. I'm going to kill it. I'm going to kill it. The reason why it's so painful is because you're holding on to it too tight. You, you want it too bad. It, it, it just eludes you. Well, Pastor, I'm, I'm tired of being single. Yeah, but you won't focus on being a better you. You focused on one part of you, single. You didn't focus on your attitude stinks. You didn't focus on, you know, you want what don't exist. You want him to be six foot and and soft. <laughs> you want him to be strong enough to protect your home and sensitive that he'll cry in movies with you. He ain't out no, he's not. <laughs> you want her to be Martha Stewart in the house. And I'll let you fill in the blank for the bedroom. (laughs) And you wonder why you're single. You want her to be emotional enough to take care of the kids and to be nurturing to the kids. But you don't want her to be emotional enough to ever talk to you. (laughs) See, (laughs) and you you never realize (coughs) that God's working on you. And you ain't coming up off that thing. <laughs> it was good for you to be afflicted, so that you learn to follow the book. So that you learn to follow the book. So that you would learn to follow. The book, so learn to follow. <laughs> Verse. Uh, go to uh, <laughs> Acts. Um. Blessed be God forevermore. Acts 7, verse 54. I am am often amazed at the idea that Paul, writing Timothy, (coughs) writing the book of Romans, writing all of the epistles, the apostle Paul (laughs) wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Two-thirds of the New Testament was written by the Apostle Paul. Majority of which was written as he's in prison. I think it's, uh, I think it's somewhat, you know, duplicitous, if you will. It's somewhat interesting and different, uh, double-sided, that he's writing to tell you about your freedom in Christ yeah, while he's incarcerated. It, it reminds me of when, you know, <laughs> John, who, who meets Jesus, and when he meets Jesus, he's in his mother's womb. And Jesus is in his mother's womb. And they don't meet, you know, like, what up, brother? They don't meet like that. <laughs> they meet separated by subcutaneous tissue. They, they meet in the, each other's womb. And... John leaps in his mother's belly and gets filled with the Holy Ghost. The same John who later on is in prison and sends a messenger to say, do me a favor, go find Jesus. When you find him, ask him, is he really the one? The same John that spotted a man coming across the hill that he's never met in person. And so, behold, the Lamb of God is the same one sitting in prison. Asking, go find out if he's really Jesus. Which can tell you that the flesh don't die easy. Because he's in prison now reevaluating if I was believing God, why am I still fighting through a sickness? If I'm never realizing the sustaining power of God, never realizing that the only reason why you ain't died yet is because of God. The only reason why it hasn't touched you to the point of your death is because God still got you. Never realizing the reason why you haven't gone flat broke. You might be struggling from paycheck to paycheck. You might be struggling from bill to bill. But the only reason why you ain't lost it all That's right. That's right. is because God's waiting on you. And all of a sudden he starts questioning, is he really Jesus? The flesh don't die easy. That's why he said, says good for me to have to go through some of this stuff. You act like it's a badge of honor to say I need a million dollars and a million dollars shows up and you're like, look at my faith. (laughs) Look what I've accomplished. I went to the doctor yesterday. He said I was dying of cancer. I went back today. It's gone. Glory to God. No, baby, I want to know when you're in jail. Are you still going to be like, you know what, I ain't got to send nobody, that's Jesus. I knew he was Jesus when I didn't know anything. I knew he was Jesus when he showed up. I know he's Jesus now. I know the same God that brought me in is the same God that will deliver me. I know I can hold on no matter what the situation, no matter what the struggle. My flesh is going to have to die, and you're going to have to die today. Because I will fight the good fight of faith. I will hold my profession. I'll say the right things. I'll believe the right things. You're not going to get me to change. If I die, if, better know this, that I went to my grave believing that God is in control. And that God is sovereign. You better believe it. Because the truth of the matter is what I go through. The flesh don't die but it's working in me a trust it's working in me the ability to believe it's working in me to enlarge my territory it, it might have been a headache at first and i had to believe my god my way through that but now it, it's he get hit with cancer it's the same as a headache. I'm going to believe my way through it. If I got hit with whatever it is, it's the same thing to believe my my way through it with my God. Why? Because it was good for me to be afflicted because every situation turns me to the book. Every si- What are you going to do? Are you going after the book or are you going after the crook? Because if he could change your confession by what you go through, you ain't ready. You are only ready when you are squaring off your shoulders and asking them, is that all you got? Give me some more, whatever you got. You want to come at me? Come on. But remember this, everything you meant for my destruction, God will turn it around for my good. Remember this, everything you stole from me, God will restore it seven times even to the substance of my house. You will not have my children. You will not have my home. You will not have my family. He said it was good for me to be afflicted. It turned me to the book. He said Jesus learned obedience because of the things he suffered. He learned how to stay where he's supposed to stay, stay connected to what he's supposed to be connected to, to trust the Father and to believe that God had his back. Why? Because he'd been through enough. He'd been through enough to say, I'm going to trust him with this one. Listen, I could trust you a lot, but I'm not sure that I could trust you with laying my life down and trusting you to help me pick it back up. But he said he learned obedience. Some of you trying to get out of stuff way too quick. And that's why you got no character. Some of you things just been given to you too fast. That's why you got no character. That's why when you get money, you don't treat it like anything because you didn't have to do nothing to get it. You're so used to people giving you stuff. Because you you know, you your your prayers are like this. You get around people. Gee, I wish I had twenty dollars. And if somebody gives it to you, the Lord is my shepherd, you know what I want? No, the Lord is not your shepherd. The person you was dropping a hint to is now your shepherd. But when you get into the stills and throws of your own mind, when there's nobody else around and you are crying out to your God and he shows up and shows out, that is God. But you would have never gotten there if everything was good. You would have never gotten there if you didn't have a struggle. You would have never gotten there if you didn't have a fight. You don't know pleasure until you've known pain. That's why they say it's so easy to get addicted to prescription pills. When you're first in pain. And then what happens is, when the pain goes away, you really don't know. That's why they put a cap on the prescription. <laughs> That's why they don't give you unlimited refills. <laughs> oh, I wish somebody would hear me. You need these rough times to learn obedience. Well, why? Because the flesh dies hard. It, 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 just, it, don't, it won't die easy. But God's trying to kill that stuff in you. The stuff you want to hold on to, you just he wants that gone. He wants that gone. He wants that gone. He wants that gone. The things you're dependent upon, he wants that gone. When, when all you can think about is who values you and who loves you and who doesn't love you and who likes you, and who doesn't like you, he wants that gone. When you struggle with stuff because it's all about a car or it's all about a house or it's all about money, it's all about stuff, he wants that gone. He wants you to know that it's all about him. There's a total trust in him and him alone. He will take care of all of it if you seek him first. We're not Gentiles. We don't go after it because we desire it. We go after him and he'll give it to us. He'll take care of his children. But see, you got to be afflicted to get there. Because, you know, you just don't turn there. I wish you did, but you won't. So some of the, sometimes, you, you know, you go through some stuff. And you're like, God, why? Why do I have to go through this? You know why. You wasn't going to trust him. <clears throat> You wasn't going to trust him. You, you trust him. You know what's funny? You know what's funny? I've watched the cycle with certain types of people. They come to church. Life is a mess. They come to church. Life gets better. They forget about church. Life becomes a mess. And then remember the old typewriters? <laughs> Life's a mess. They come to church. Life gets better. They forget about church. <laughs> He says, good for me to be afflicted because flesh don't die easy. But when it does, baby, when, when, when the things that used to dominate you don't dominate you. Because Paul said, I, I will not come under the power of anything. See, when, when you start getting free from stuff. When you start not worrying about what people think. When you start worrying about what people say. When you start worrying about where the money's coming from. When you stop worrying about where healing is. When you start worrying about what your body's trying to tell you it's not going to do. And you tell it what it is going to do. Even if you got to pass out afterwards, you're still at a place where you set your face like Flint. Say, we're going that way. We're going that way. I'm going that way. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going that way. <laughs> and we begin to realize that we got to kill it. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. Because there's things God's working in you that you have no idea. And, and, And here's the sad part. Some of you, you've reset your own clock. And you're mad at how long it takes. I've heard people say, you know, things and, and this and these, these are tragic things. Listen to me. These are tragic things sometimes. But I've heard people say, you know, they, they lost a child or, or, or a son or a daughter or a child at a, at a rarely, fairly early age. Let's say, you know, 30s or something. And they're like, you know, how could God do that? And the question, I'm like, okay, were they saved? Well, I, I don't know. You had this child for 30 years. And you didn't put God in them. And you're mad at God. How could he let this happen? What are you talking about? You had 18 years. To put enough God in them. To ensure and to secure their eternal future. And you have the audacity Stuff like that happens all the time. Things where people don't have the right perspective. Because you can get mad at God all you want. But the reality is you are not God, which means you don't have a right. Yes. Yes. Come on. The Bible says Jesus was God uh-huh. and still forsook his right to be equal. But you don't want to go through nothing. Because your flesh likes to live. (laughs) I'm done messing with y'all. Let's pray. (laughs) Let's stand up, y'all. Let's pray. (laughs) Because some of you, I might get security on you. (coughs) Father, we thank you. We thank you that as we understand... That your divine plan has to be worked in us as humans. There are things we are going to have to struggle with and get through. Because we are human. But we will not abort. We will not negate. And we will not stop the divine plan. Because we understand now. When David said it was good for me. To be afflicted. Because it turned me towards the book. He said it was good for me to have to go through some things. Whether it's divorce, whether it's hurt, whether it's a loss, whether it's pains, whether it's sickness, whether it's, it's poverty, poverty uh, related things. Whatever it was, it was good for me. Because it forced me to go to God. It forced me to come to you. To see And to experience your power. Because my salvation doesn't only mean. That I get into heaven. My salvation means. That I get to walk out. Your plan and purpose. In this world. We're saved for a reason. We're saved for a purpose. We're saved for a cause. And I thank you Lord. That even there have been things. That I've struggled with in the past. You have broken those things off of me, that I'm able to move with you, to trust you. It didn't happen all at once. And sometimes it didn't happen quickly. But I'm willing to pay the price to watch my flesh die. And it will. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. I sure love you guys. I'm gonna turn it over to uh, Mr. Joe.